everyone, Dana Benedict here, and this is the ninth episode of Breaking Character. Um, I <laughs> recorded this episode back in September or October, I, th I believe. I think it was October. Um, I wanted to release it on Halloween, but you know, as, as, uh, as things go with uh, the world these days, time is kind of irrelevant, so um, Halloween is every day, all day. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode featuring Jessica Ray, who I've known since my Long Beach days. I was in a group called Postmortem with her. She was on the burlesque end, whereas I was in the physical theater end. There were two different sides to, to this company. Um, so I met her in a show called Ravens and Writing Desks, where she played the queen um, it was an Alice in Wonderland uh, physical theater uh, show. And I, the first time around, I played the Dormouse. And then the second time around, I played Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I had, like, split personality. It was actually really fun. And she played the queen. Uh, she also had a burlesque character named Samara Gray, who was part of the uh, postmortem burlesque, or uh, postmortem grotesque burlesque created by... Um, a really wonderful woman named Angela, who I hope to get on this show eventually. So, um, anyway, I really hope you enjoy this conversation as we go into a lot of different aspects of of her performance career, including um, BDSM as well. Because, you know, in in that world, that is essentially that is that is a performance art that um, I haven't you know delved into too much. So I'm excited to. To talk about that a little bit more so i really hope you enjoy this and if you do like what you are hearing please subscribe please share all of that um i mean i'm not looking for this to become anything but it is fun to talk to people and if you re if you know of anyone who would be a good fit for this you know send them my way i i want to get stories out from every aspect of performing um whether it be directors, producers, performers, um, set designers, what you know, whatever, just people who are in that world and um, have fun stories about their work. Um, and especially with dealing with audience members because we are still in the pandemic, so we still can't do what we normally do, which is entertain and immerse with the audience. So, um, so yeah, the, these are just kind of stories that we're reminiscing about, you know, good good and bad experiences that we've had with audience members. Um, so please enjoy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Um, I don't think I've seen, I don't remember the last time I saw you in person. Honestly, it might have been a postmortem thing is the only yeah. thing I can think of right now. <laughs> it yeah, has been a long time. It's definitely been years. Um, so it's good to see you and to hear you too. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in pretty much almost anything that you can name. I've pretty much done it almost. Um, I worked in a dungeon for BDSM for a while. I worked at Not Halloween Haunt for three years, which is actually not a lot compared to most people who work there. Uh, Renaissance Fair. I've worked at Condom Revolution, now called Conrev, although a lot of places are now just a touch of romance. That whole company is weird right now. Um, 
yeah, I've done, I've done a lot. And I was also in a burlesque group called Postmortem Grotesque Burlesque. Yes. Which is how I met you. It's how um, we met. <laughs> so, um, I guess let's, which topic you said you have a lot of stories. So let's just, I kind of a uh, dealer's choice. So what would you, what would you like to start with? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, when I, so everything that I've done, so I was just very active in all these things in my like early to mid twenties. As soon as I turned 18, it was like all cards out the window or whatever that references, but, or analogy. Like as soon as I turned 18, I got into the BDSM world because I, I went to Orange Coast College and I was taking a sex education class and they had this panel of all the BDSM people there. And I got, I was so fascinated by it. And um, like I volunteered to like be tested on some of the toys that they had brought. And it was, and they were one of the guys there. He was very cute, at least the cutest one there, I thought. And um, I don't want to name names just in case, but he uh, he said something about this bondage ball that was going on like two weeks later. So of course I was like, yeah, I'm going to that. Of course, ran into him. Long story short, that's kind of how everything started. I became a submissive for him. Um, I also ended up finding a mistress at one point. I, my whole goal was I wanted to become a dominatrix or like a switch, which is you do both submissive and dom stuff. Um, and he actually got me a job working at a place near in LA. Um, for, I was only there. I was only there for a short while though, because I learned very quickly that I don't like strangers touching me. So I didn't last long, <laughs> uh, plus it was very far away. I was like living in Santa Ana at the time, um, but it was fun. Yeah, you definitely meet some interesting people. It was interesting to see how they did everything there. Um, I don't know if you have like specific questions about what happens when you work at a dungeon or a professional well, dungeon. Yeah, something, something that I am curious about is the fact that you say you don't like strangers touching you. So in in a, in a submissive or dom, dominant role that you were comfortable with, it was because you were you knew who you were. Yeah, with. so when I was working with like that one dom or the dominatrix, like I knew them, I got to know them. So yeah. working with them was one thing. But when I was at the dungeon, just having some random guy come in you do like a one-on-one -on -one interview with them. They choose you, like you have like, they basically interview all the submissives or switches or doms that they want to talk to. And then they choose who they want. And then you work with them for however long they're paying for. And I was doing the submissive stuff um, primarily because I wanted to start at the bottom and work my way up. I didn't just want to, start being a dominatrix like just learning that off the bat and then not experiencing the other side I really wanted to experience the submissive side so I had an idea of what that was like so that when I became a dom which I never did but <laughs> at the time that was a goal um, when I became a dom 
I wanted to at least be able to know what it felt like for the submissive because um, and any BDSM person will tell you the submissive is actually the one in control. Mm -hmm. The dominatrix is not. So it's kind of an interesting interpretation on both ends. And I wanted to experience both. So even though I didn't want or didn't like strangers touching me, it was an experience I wanted to have. And I wouldn't have known how much I didn't want strangers touching me if I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's not why I quit BDSM overall, but that's why I knew that submission just wasn't for plus I, I was really bratty so like bad bratty <laughs> but some yeah some which some people are into that though that's like a term on some itself. are some <laughs> are my dom was not <laughs> um so i i love i think it's fascinating that um it's kind of tied in with performing i mean i definitely think it is a, a performance for sure i mean a lot of people use it as an art would you consider it to be um to be art or to be, to be, I mean, you was a job, but it was also like, could you be creative in it? Oh, definitely. I mean, that's why you have like certain dungeons that are open to the public and people can, even if they're not into BDSM personally, you can still go and just watch other people doing it. And it is an art form because you have just the way that they use the floggers and the bull whips and all these different kinds of toys, needlework, fire play, like it's, it's a huge art form. It's a little more secluded because it's not so entirely open, but you, you definitely have a lot of people who they, that they, you call them voyeurs. They, they just watch, like, that's all they want to do is they like watching other people doing it. Um, and it's what kind of helped me as soon as I got into the postmortem stuff, um, or my grotesque for less group, my whole shtick was BDSM. I was the one that handled the floggers and the whips and all that stuff. And the beauty of it was me being able to control all these different types of toys and, you know, people just loved watching it. So yeah, yeah, definitely an art form. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating too, because I've been in so many shows where there's like a bondage act or there's wax play or there's like some sort of element to it incorporated with like theater as well and i just i think it's gorgeous and it's kind of yeah it's kind of it's a it's a world that not too many people have explored necessarily and um so i think it's kind of cool we're talking about it and i've performed i performed in a dungeon before but it wasn't for like a for like a dungeon thing. It, I literally was there like as a variety show. It was very bizarre. <laughs> um, so like in the right setting, I feel like I'd be more comfortable, but that situation, I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I've definitely had put myself into very interesting situations mm-hmm. that I kind of think of now. And I'm like, what? Like right now, I don't think I would ever do that, but I have done it in my early twenties. And I'm like, yeah, I did that. It was fun <laughs> at the time. I wouldn't do it again. In my early 20s, I would probably want to do it over and over and over again. But now I'm 30 and I feel old. <laughs> that's just me, though. That's not how everyone feels. You you have people in the BDSM world in all ages who are still doing it. And I just, 
I wish I was, I still had that same passion because it was so much fun at the time. It really was so much fun and I missed it a lot, but, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was, I remember that being your, your specialty, like your character in postmortem, um, I don't know if I've seen you do all, like, I don't think I got to see like a lot of your acts, but I know the few that I did, you used, I think the flogging and mm-hmm. seeing you do a few other things too. Um, but why don't we talk about your character a little bit that you created? In Postmortem? Yeah. Yeah. So it's ironically, my character in Postmortem was a little more prudish. Like she was like the bitch of the I can say bitch, right? (laughs) Okay. She was like the bitch of the group, which is kind of funny because if you think about it, Angela, who was our artistic director and creator of Postmortem, she was like the prude of all of us. You couldn't even touch her without her like, which is partially why we love her. Um, But yeah, so my character was just kind of like the... I, I definitely took parts of like when I was in the BDSM world, how I didn't like strangers touching me. So I would use that. Mm-hmm. So like if another one of the, it, it, it would kind of dally. So like if some stranger did touch me, I was able to be like, mm, no. And I knew how to handle that. Um, when one of the girls touched me and depending on the scenario or the scene we were kind of playing out, Sometimes I'd be like, no, I don't want it, but okay, I do kind of a little bit. Yeah. So there was a lot of like pulling back and forth there. Um, But yeah, my character was very much the uh, aggressive one, I guess. Like she liked to be more sadistic um, when it came to the other girls, but she was also masochistic in her own way. So you know, even though I was the one that would do floggers on some of the girls, there were definitely moments when they would, you know, do something aggressive to me and my character, even though she might've fought it at first, ends up liking it in secret. And it was just like a fun play that we would do back and forth. Yeah. How many years did you perform that character or with postmortem? Oh gosh. Well, I performed with Postmortem longer than I actually had that specific character. So the character was Samira Gray, which was like based off of, so Samira is actually an Egyptian name for like the night darkness and then Gray at, from Dorian Gray. So I just kind of blended all of my different interests together into that one character and like I guess I'm kind of going backwards a bit. Like her whole thing was she would create art out of bodies. So that was another reason, like when I use BDSM and I would like mold the girls into some sort of art form. But as far as like how long I've been there. um, So I met Angela when I was at Orange Coast College. I think I might've been 21 and I'm 30 now, so, um, but I didn't get into postmortem until I was probably 22 or 23, um, is when she invited me to be part of the first postmortem show. And it wasn't a burlesque show. It was actually a political show. It had like very little to do with burlesque. It had men and women, just, it was more like a play. Mm-hmm. And it was a comedy play. 
um, at the time. And um, after that, shortly after that is when she started creating the grotesque burlesque side. So she took the girls that were in that political show and invited us to do this vaudeville show um, just as these like six sexy women just dancing and performing and based off of that show is just kind of when postmortem grotesque burlesque actually flourished into something where it was its own like little entity. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, and so I guess I've been doing it since I was about 21, 22 well, years old. I know I was always curious, like I knew, I kind of knew how it formed, but I wasn't entirely sure like the whole process of it. So um, and you guys did a lot of, you had a lot of like residencies, you had a lot of gigs that you guys did. And with mm -hmm. that kind of show, like you are dealing with the audience, you're um, interacting with the audience for the most part of it. So are there any like memories that you have of any like audience members sticking out? Like anything that reminds me, like, I'm not wording it correctly. <laughs> anything like from, from that experience, like good or bad, you know? There are some good and bad, um, mostly good. One, for some reason this sticks out and I don't even know if this really goes into your question, but I remember my mother very distinctively. There was a dance between myself and one of the other girls. It was just me and her and it was a doll dance. So it was me as the doll. And then we ha I had made an actual miniature doll of me to kind of look like the same outfit, hair, everything and the other girl would like control it and whatever she was making the doll do, I would do. And there was a part where like I had taken my vest off to expose my bra and you hear my mom in the audience like, that's my baby. <laughs> and it was like very embarrassing <laughs> into some degree, but also very awesome at the yeah. same time. Cause I'm like, oh gosh, okay. Well, she's proud. I'm glad she's proud. Um, and she would come to like every single one of our shows too. So like in every video we have, you just always hear, hear her your, voice yeah. I primarily in the background. Yeah, I'm sure. You <laughs> I, re I remember you telling us that a story about like that. And then every time your mom was in the audience, it was like, there was a boost of energy for sure. She brought the energy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And not just for me. I mean, she did it for all the girls. Like yeah, for me, saying, yeah, you like, got the, my baby, but yeah. for all the other girls, she still treated them yeah. like they were her kids. That's what I'm saying. Like every time, anytime she was in the audience, like it just brought up everyone's like energy because she was, she got the crowd going. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I know. Uh, so we would have ongoing shows at this place called K Sarah in Long Beach. And I know there was a moment where this guy had to get kicked out because he was masturbating in the corner. God. And I think that's probably, I think not even just mine. I, I'm sure I speak for some of the other postmortem girls when I say that's a pretty positive memory. Yeah. Not at the time. It was very weird at the time, but looking back on it, we can laugh and be like, that happened. Yeah. I'm, I feel like every burlesque performer might have a story like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I've definitely had a few scars from doing postmortem too. Um, there was one night that we were working at Harvell's in Long Beach. I think it's, it's still there, right? Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. And I guess the owner double booked us with another burlesque group. I don't know the name of them, but um, so it was us and this other burlesque group. And so we kind of decided we were going to like trade off. So like we would do a number, they would do a number, kind of go back and forth a bit. Yeah. And it was at the end of the night. This was right before I was supposed to do one of my infamous wit dances. Mm -hmm. And I guess the girl before me, it was that burlesque group's last performance. And they didn't realize that we still had a number or two after. So this girl took a glass and just shattered it on purpose all over the dance floor. And I didn't know about that. And I guess uh, the artistic director, Angela, um, knew about it. And she was like frantically trying to get um, someone's attention to like help clean it up. I know, I think she actually cleaned up a lot of it. She was trying to get the bartender's attention, the manager's attention to be like, we still have a number happening and we need to have this cleaned up right away. And no one did anything. And not to talk crap about Harvell's. <laughs> I, I know they were very busy and I'm sure there was a lot of things going on that night. Um, but so when I finally went on, I, all I remember is doing my number. You know, you're kind of in this euphoric trance-like state when you're performing because you're just doing the moves and trying yeah. to remember what to do next and trying to be sexy and seductive at the same time <laughs> and some of the other girls were actually with me like just touching my leg or something and I know one of the girls mentioned how she like touched my leg and then looked at her hand and there was just blood just dripping all over her hand and not fake blood. and <laughs> that was Beth by the way hi Beth oh my god <laughs> like yeah she just had all this blood dripping and I hadn't noticed until I think my shoe slipped a little on the dance floor and I finally like looked down and saw like just this red puddle and I'm like oh look blood cool and I just kept going I'm like I don't know whose blood it is I don't know what's going on I'm just gonna keep going because you have to like you're not just gonna stop performing and it wasn't until later that I found this huge gash in my, was it my, yeah, my right leg. <laughs> I have to remember now. My right knee, actually. So it was my right knee. And I guess a piece of glass just kind of stuck right under the skin and then sliced no. upward. However, my dancing or body position was. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't feel it at all. Like while it was happening, like I'm just in the moment but like as soon as I'm backstage like it's bad like really bad like you have all the girls in post-mortem all the girls in the other burlesque group just like grossed out because my entire leg is covered in blood so was the, other, the, dancer, I, the dancer who broke the glass was she there she saw it I I'm sure she was but I don't know who who it was okay. so I wasn't able to like identify yeah because or where she was at the time that's absurd <laughs> but like the whole time I'm laughing because first of all I'm on an adrenaline high just from performing and second of all I'm just like well you kind of have to expect that when you're in this kind of you know industry or like yeah. you're performing live and things shit happens yeah 
And um, so now I have a very gnarly scar because it's it was definitely something I should have gotten stitches for, but I had to like be up early because I was doing a family thing the next day. So I like, I was carried to my car and then I like drove to CVS, got some butterfly band-aids and some like alcohol, like rubbing alcohol to like cleanse it. And I just did the best I could before I passed out. And then I woke up, went to my family thing. Thankfully, there were two nurses in my family who were there. And I'm like, can you look at this? Yeah. <laughs> and they were, both of them were like, why didn't you get stitches? And I'm like, because it was 3 a.m. and I was tired. So. It was at the bottom of your foot? No, it's on my knee, on my right knee. knee. Okay, I thought you said foot. And I was like, were you not? No, sorry. Shoes? Okay. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, and then I had to, I did get stitches on my chin. Um, it was during our, like one of, I think it was like our, our Christmas show. Um, we were doing rehearsals and this was, you know, before COVID and I was able to get my nails done. I used to have those, you know, yeah. long acrylics that were really sharp. Yep. Do you, I don't know if you remember those. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I had the, an, I'm, a, I'm just assuming it was my acrylic because I have no <laughs> idea what else it could have been. I'm, I'm thinking that I might've like jabbed my chin somehow or I jabbed it on something. And so like by the end of rehearsals, it was a similar thing, just blood gushing everywhere. And someone else had to be like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, and thankfully a lot of the girls went with to the ER and I got stitches and it's fine. But yeah, so I, I have my fair share of scars doing burlesque oh. shows. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had to get stitches, but I have quite a, I got quite a few bruises and I think my favorite is I got a scar. I have a scar that's like in the shape of a fishnet kind of. Cute. Like <laughs> but yeah, I feel like any performance with postmortem I mean, I didn't do any of the burlesque stuff, but when we were doing the physical theater stuff, like it's very taxing on our bodies and there's always an injury and someone's always, you know, hurting someone else because we're just, we're doing so much physicality. <laughs> yeah. There... I think, Sorry, um, oh no, it's just, uh, there was a, a, a dance group I was in recently too. And we were, in, you know, we were performing and one of the dancers, uh, her nail you know, sliced me. And so now I have a nice scar from her. So. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know what, if my nail's going to nick anyone, I'd rather it be me yeah. than like one of the other girls or that we had guys in that performance too. So I was like, as long as it wasn't anyone else, we're good. <laughs> like if I'm going to have these devil nails, like <laughs> as long as I receive the consequence and no one else does good. <laughs> Yeah, but no, like you said, it is taxing. Like when we did Ravens and Writing Desk, it was a lot. Um, I think at that time too, I was living with my grandparents and my grandfather did not like me driving to Long Beach to do like rehearsals and stuff. Um, like he liked that I was doing something theatrical because he knew that's what made me happy, but he didn't like the commute and how often we had to do rehearsals. That was another thing. He's like, why do you have to do rehearsals like almost every day? But then as soon as he saw the show, he was like, oh, now I understand why you had to be here every, almost every day. Cause that's a lot of, I mean, it's, you were there, it's acrobatics, it's, you know, acro so, yoga and so much teamwork. And like, yeah, if so much. missing, it's hard. Like, 
we all had to be there at every rehearsal. It's hard to block things without everyone needs to be there to learn all the protocols. There's so there's so much that goes into it. If one person wasn't there, it just it almost threw off a lot of stuff. Yeah. So because we all had, like, we had to support each other. We had a, a we had to I mean, we were doing some like really interesting shapes and stuff with bodies with tons of people. And so we had to make sure that we were safe and healthy and at our best. And I think I was in the best shape of my life when I was doing postpartum stuff. You and me both, girl. I definitely <laughs> have not been the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially with quarantine, I'm like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Now Angela wants to get back, like bring postmortem back. And I'm like, can I fix my body first? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, was it the second time we did postmortem? We had like a training camp or something. I feel like we had like an intensive or, or something of like. She's done a few things. I know Angela has set up like a whole acro yoga class for all of us. Yeah. Um, she even uh, like postmortem paid for a lot of us to do aerial classes, aerial silks, aerial hoop. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to continue those except I'm poor. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun at the time and it was something I really fell in love with but we definitely tried to incorporate that into our shows too but yeah I mean she's she's done a lot of like body work and core work for all of us to kind of help us be able to get to the point that she kind of needed us to be at in a lot of the shows she was doing yeah so it was pretty cool Speaking of Angela, hi, Angela, if you are ever listening to this. <laughs> Actually, hi, I'd love to get you on the show, too. Oh, um, she'll listen to me. I'm her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, just say, uh, please ask her to do it. <laughs> I will ask her. <laughs> I think, yeah, the last time I saw Angela was for Ellen's uh, video release show. I She choreographed that, and I got to be in that. That was really fun. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I miss the postmortem days because it was it was such a good group of of people and it was really the first kind of like immersive thing I was doing like I didn't even know what immersive theater was, but mm -hmm. I think like Angela really kind of. I think it was like 2012 2013 when I when I joined and I feel like that's pretty early. Now, about the time I joined too yeah and like now immersive theater is just like this huge thing and I feel like she really kind of started it in in long in long beach too there was nothing like that no it wasn't um and that was kind of the beauty of it at the time i mean we performed in zombie walk queen mary um a lot of different bars yeah case raw clancy's i guess i have heard recently that i guess or at least before covid but there have been some burlesque groups that are actually now doing these things very similar to what postmortem did. And of, of course, I'm not saying that like in a, oh, they're just copying us. Like, no, I'm, I'm glad. Like, it's really great to see that other people obviously really liked what we were doing mm -hmm. and want to keep it going. I mean, obviously we're not, or we haven't been doing it for the last five years now. Yeah. So to see other people kind of picking it up and doing it is, it's really great. To, I mean, I wish I could actually see what they're doing. I haven't, I've just heard about it. Mm -hmm. um, I've, seen, I've definitely... seen some, some really interesting, I mean, cause burlesque, there's such a, like a, a wide variety. 
Yeah. And so like when I was first introduced to burlesque, it was it was how you guys were doing it. And then once I moved to, to L.A. and I, I started doing more of classic, I was doing classic burlesque and all of that. But so it's really cool to see how different how different groups do take it. And I mean, I've, I have a lot of friends who do a lot of horror um, burlesque as well. But what it was so cool about Postmortem was that it was like a f- whole story and like new elements and all of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some in LA that are similar, but nothing's really been the same, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, I've gone through many burlesque places and a lot of it is more like the stripping strip tees um very Dita Von Teese, which is great I love that kind of burlesque um but there's not always a story to it sometimes there is but it's usually just one person like it's just that one person doing a solo story yeah there's not too many opposed to six or seven girls doing a full burlesque story in lingerie and sometimes we would do you know strip teasing but um and not and not all the stories were nice ones. I mean, yeah, we I think almost everyone had some sort of murderous tactic to it, but some of them were very dark, like yeah. to the point where it was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but I think that's that was the cool thing about postmortem though is that you guys were not afraid to like push it a little bit, you know, make people think and question, and it wasn't just supposed to be like, oh, this is sexy. Like it was twisted and Mm -hmm. um, I think I know my mom's favorite one was uh there's a Dresden doll song called slide I don't know if you ever saw our number on that one but it dealt with like it went dark It, it dealt with like child molestation and murder and stuff and it like that and we got some negative feedback on it but like the the dance itself was beautiful. Like the song is beautiful, the dance was beautiful, the message not so beautiful. But Angela's whole point was like, sometimes you need to have these things in your face to be like, hey, you might wanna ignore that these things are happening, but they're happening. Mm-hmm. Sorry, like we're basically just trying to bring it out into the world, just like we're trying to bring out everything else that we're doing in the world. This is no different. And it's sad and it's tragic. And that's the point. You should be sad and feel tragic about it. Yeah, you should feel uncomfortable. You should question it. Yeah, you should feel something about this. I think some negative comments, I was like, that made me really upset. And it's like, good. It was supposed to make you, if you weren't upset, then that really says something. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't always pretty, which is why I liked postmortem. I mean, it, I, I understand when you go to a burlesque show, you want it to be a feel good thing. You don't want to feel sad. You don't want to feel those negative, impactive feelings. And I totally understand. But sometimes it's like you just, it has to, because sometimes those things come up and you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. And that's life. So I like the message that she would bring in a lot of our stuff, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Let's cross over into um, your more of your haunt work. So you worked at Not Scary Farm. Did you do any other ones or that was the one that you did? I did not. I only did not. I really wanted to do Queen Mary. 
I actually really would have loved to have done Universal, but I've gone to Universal many times. And the only thing I don't like about Universal, as far as imagining being a talent there, and again, I've never been a talent, so I don't know. So I'm not going to speak for them. Um, but it just seems like they're very limited unless you're on the outside doing the streets and stuff. If you're like amazed, you kind of, it kind of seems to be this very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tedious actions. Like you don't really get to be creative in it because a lot of their mazes are movie based. So right. you, or, you know, you kind of have to stick to a specific script or blocking. Yeah. Um, or as like a, I know you've worked uh, Dark Harbor. Yeah. And you were on, I, like, I never was early. in, I was never in a maze though. I, I was- Oh, super, but you were on the outside. Yeah, I was, super, <laughs> I was super lucky that I was always on the outside, but all of the maze performers that I knew loved it because they had creativity. They had like the, the availability to kind of use their space to what, however they wanted. There wasn't really like, strict like choreography or anything or blocking um i think i was like in a maze maybe one time because it was raining outside and that was like the early days but yeah so i can't really like speak for them as well either but um so let's talk about what you did at not scary farm then okay um yeah so i only did maze stuff i really wanted to get to the point of being on the streets but i only worked there three years i was in the doll factory and my first year so um, the way it worked at Knott's, at least especially at the time when I started, was um, you if it was your first year, very rarely could you get a makeup position. Most likely you would be getting uh, some sort of masked position in a maze. Uh, they always kind of did seniorities first and yeah. then newcomers would come last and it was kind of like slim pickings. So um so when yeah so when I first got hired I I was in the doll factory and I had like I, I call it a slipknot mask like it was very slipknot masky and I had like this hood like very unrecognizable and I was like a a marionette murderer was the the name of my title and um then you had like the kabuki dolls and the delirium dolls and the murderers and you know, you had an elaborate sort, but I was only the marionette murder for a few weeks. At least I think that was the title. Now I'm kind of second guessing myself or questioning myself, whatever. <laughs> so I was only there for two weeks until one of the kabuki spots opened up. So then I, I was finally able to have a makeup position. And again, for a first year, that was a big deal. <laughs> Um, but it was funny because when I was still in the mask position, there was another Kabuki girl who is now like one of my best friends to this day still. We had met that year though. And she was like full makeup, like in this kind of cute little sexy outfit. And she would be kind of outside, like jumping out at people right after me. Like she was the monster after me. But what was funny was I tended to get more growth and she was getting more punched in the face, which you would think would have been the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like here I am in this like slipknot mask and I had more people grabbing my boobs and more people punching her, even though she was like in the full makeup and 
cute outfit. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was always kind of funny that we laugh about still. Was it because and then my so last she was like outside of it? So was she? She was like a jump scare. The natural That's reaction the nat for yeah, some yeah. people was to punch, yeah. whereas I just kind of moved around. Um, but my last two years, I was a delirium doll. So I was the, I don't want to say it was like the more popular doll. Um, but so it was more like the cute like corset with the cute little mini skirt and the thigh high stockings and um, the cutesy broken mm -hmm. doll makeup with the rosy cheeks and the doll lips. I think I remember seeing a picture of you like that yeah and I what I would do is I did my back bends mm -hmm. so there was a doll in the year <clears throat> prior to when I worked there she got famous for doing like these very realistic doll-like movements like spot on it was really creepy really awesome and I would do that a little bit but what I would try to mostly do is I wanted to do my own thing so I would do like these back bends, but I would follow people while backbended, which really creeped them out. You're just like crab walking oh. behind them. <laughs> Hi, yeah, I would. Um, definitely scared some famous people. Holly Madison, she was like a Playboy. Oh yeah, she's like obsessed with. Oh no, Brit, is she the one that's obsessed with Halloween? Or is it? Yeah, okay. I might be getting her name wrong. Bridget. Bridget. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Holly. Holly was yet. Yeah, I she, did meet Holly, but that was in an airport in Vegas. But Bridget, <laughs> she came to Dark Harbor all the time. Like she's obsessed yeah. with Halloween. <laughs> I honestly didn't know it was Bridget at the time because I had these like white out contacts in, and I was legitimately blind. Oh, like I God. couldn't see. Like everything was blurry. And I just remember this one girl coming in and she was scared shitless and I'm doing my back bends and doing all these things and I'm following her like as far as I can. And I, she pissed herself and it was beautiful. <laughs> At least I heard her, I mean, I don't know if she really did. I just remember her saying like, oh my God, I peed. And I'm like, I really hope you did. <laughs> it wasn't until later that someone told me it was Bridget and I'm like, hell yeah. That's always like, I know I love hearing stuff like that. Like it's usually something you don't want to hear, but in like a scaring situation, you're like, I did good. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've heard stories of people like crapping their pants in a maze where they literally had to close the maze down to clean yeah. it. But I mean, I never had that hardcore. In Dark Harbor, thing. one of the guys dressed, he's, he, they like, some of them are dressed in ghillie suits and they hide like in the bushes and stuff. And oh. I guess the drunk guy peed on one of those guys because he thought he was an actual bush <laughs> oh no oh gosh but like he didn't jump out he just stayed there like i would have moved i would have just let him pee <laughs> have you ever like gotten like i know i've been like kicked in the head i've been punched in the face punched in the boob um a friend of mine had a guy like lift her over his shoulder and he like tried to walk out with out of the maze with her what the fuck um, yeah, like you hear some very interesting things. Yeah, when you work there. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling what people think they can get away with <laughs> when it they're is. In a setting like that. That and you people always think they're very clever with like the sayings yeah. that they want. Like 
like come they say things yeah. that they think they're clever and it's like yeah i've heard that about 50 times today yeah <laughs> you're not clever yeah I mean, it's hard to think of things in the moment, like right now, of as to what people have said. But yeah, it would always be something super repetitious. Like, why can't you? It, it's just super irritating. Um, so, so you did that, and then you also did Ren Fairs, which mm -hmm. I don't think I know too much about that aspect of you. Uh, yeah. So again, just like Haunt, I worked Haunt for three years. I worked Fair for about three years. And pretty much most people who work Haunt also work Fair. Yeah. Um, not always, but a good majority of people. Yeah, it's a common, a common cross. Yeah. So at Ren Fair, and this is the one in Irwindale, mm -hmm. um, I worked that one and I worked like the Cannonball um, booth as a hawker so i would try to get people to come in to play the game nice and um what was great about it i mean you're working there i mean you get there around friday night and then you're there until sunday night you camp out mm -hmm. so it's like a party every friday saturday night and uh you're drunk like the entire time yeah it's that's an alcoholic's dream basically <laughs> like even like by the time you wake up, people are pouring you Bloody Marys or mimosas or whatever until literally by the time you're like passed out because you drank too much. But like even as you're working, uh, like I remember my boss would come around and if she saw that my cup was empty, she would come around and be like, you're broken and then refill my cup with some type of alcoholic beverage. And I'm like, cool, thanks boss. Back to work then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, those how were old were you when you did when you did it um so this was around the same time I was working haunt so I was 18 19 20 <laughs> 21 you're 21 wink wink I was 21 <laughs> <laughs> no I was uh I think actually I started fair when I was maybe 19 so and then I, yeah, up to when I was 21. I don't remember how yeah, old I was. This was so long ago and I was drunk most of the time. Like you swear. What, did you have to have your own costume or did they provide you with a costume? Mm -mm. You had us uh, get your own costume. So when you first are getting hired, they actually, they, they have a thing called build. So it's before fair actually opens and it's, you're building the, the games and the booths and all that stuff. And during that time, you actually had to take classes. And one of the classes was costume. Mm -hmm. So they told you what your costume had to look at during that period, what colors you can use, what colors you couldn't use, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I didn't always follow those rules, <laughs> but um, like I did more of like a gypsy type look. Um, because I was also learning belly dance a lot at that time too, so you know, yeah, they no, still wear yeah. I had black no, that's like I I'm not too familiar with with run fair, which is kind of crazy. I feel like for me, but um yeah, I never knew if if like yeah, I just didn't know how things worked. But because I know that there's like different camps that come and um like different performing troops and stuff. But yeah, I've never been too familiar with that world. Yeah, I mean, you either basically make your own costume or buy it. Um, but 
it's fun because you see a lot of people's different creativity. I, I mean, I don't know how it was. I know there were certain guilds, like you had the yellow sash and then the, um, um, I can't think of the word right now for some reason. <sighs> like the pilgrimy type guys with the carrying around the Bibles, Puritans? the words like on the tip of my tongue. And I'm gonna think about it when this is over and really hit myself. The Puritans, isn't it? Puritans, thank you. But <laughs> I'm like, it starts with but a like, P. <laughs> I know something. I know something. Thank you. That was gonna <laughs> literally bother me. Um, yes, yeah, the Puritans. So I don't know if those kind of people had the costumes made for them or how that worked. I, I don't okay. know. Yeah, because um, all yeah, I know is I, like, I went one time. And I was actually when I was dating uh, Matt Collar, and he was in, he was doing like the OC Weekly stuff, and so I remember like interviewing the Queen and like interviewing different troops and stuff. But it, yeah, I just like it's such a fascinating world that I wish I could get more into because I feel like I have a friend who does the one in Vegas, and she she's like in charge of the fairy camp, and nice. yeah, she just says that it's a big party, and it it seems a lot of fun. So it is it is basically just one big party. Mm -hmm. And you so people pay to inside. join sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right well we're almost getting to an hour do you have any um stories that you want to hit that we haven't touched on yet um i can't think of any i mean the only thing that i know we didn't touch on is when i worked at conrad but and I mean, I usually have a lot of stories for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have, what's like the craziest customer that's come in there? <laughs> like, oh God, we've had a lot of drunken, because, uh, so I worked at the Conrad in Newport Beach. I was the top salesperson for two years, but that's because again, Newport Beach, yep. and we were right next to a bar. So a lot of times you'd have late night. My favorites would always be the sugar babies. Like mm -hmm. you could tell when it was sugar babies with their sugar daddies coming in and like, she's just like, I want this, this, this. And he's like, okay. <laughs> um, or just like the young kids that come in and they're like, oh my God, penises. And you're like, you're cute. Yeah. Stop. No, <laughs> shut up. Um, my favorite story for that, I think is actually when so one, we, we would work with a lot of different lingerie companies and one of them, one of the models from that company, like we sold her picture on some of our boxes and she came into our store and was like, look, this is me. And then she like got really mad because I guess they didn't Photoshop her nipples out of the photo. She's like, they told me they were going to Photoshop this and they didn't. <laughs> and she's like but my boobs look better than that now because I've got them done and she like flashed me and was like feel them and I'm like I don't think I can because <laughs> we have cameras so I'm like I don't want to touch <laughs> your boobs yeah. in the middle of my store and then she ended up by uh inviting me she to her yacht party because it was her birthday so she's like I have a birthday party on this yacht and you should come here's my number and I did go to that party. Oh my God, how was it? Really weird. <laughs> Everyone got kicked off because one guy got caught doing coke and the captain of the yacht or whatever, like was not having it. So he kicked everyone off. Oh my God. So it, it was just weird. <laughs> at least I could say I did that. I know I was gonna say, hey, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you did it. Cause like, 
if I'm offered situations like that, I'm like, you, you kind of have to do it just to see. Well, I had all my coworkers were like, are you going to go? Are you seriously going to go? And I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> why wouldn't you? This hot model chick wants me to go to her birthday on a yacht. Why would I not go on that? Yeah. <laughs> so that was chill. But what I liked about that job primarily was just like, people would tell you things that were so confidential that they wouldn't tell their best friend. And it was just really nice to have that like moment with someone, mm -hmm. like the, especially if they came in and they were like really uncomfortable at first, like not sure how to handle that situation. And then your job or my job being, you know, to ease them into it and make them feel comfortable. And then they just started spewing all these TMI things at you. And you're like, okay, yeah. that's what you're into. Awesome. <laughs> and then helping them with it, like just not, not just taking the information, but using it to help them right. was really great for me. So have, that was really fun. Have there been any situations like that when you were in the BDSM world, like where like somebody who's uncomfortable or unsure, like even like, I guess, cause you were kind of a newbie in, in that world, but like, have you ever kind of helped other people who are new? Um, probably more clients that were new to it more than, cause I was definitely the new girl when I started out. So I didn't really have to ease any of the other girls into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely had like a client who made that might've been his first time and he wasn't sure what the protocol was and not sure, like, is this okay? Or is this okay? Like obviously wanting to remain respectful, mm -hmm. which I appreciated. And then just kind of being like, no, 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 this is okay. This is not. And then being able to be intimate without being too professional. I don't know what the right phrase of that would be, but um, just like still being friendly in a matter that like, it didn't have to seem like a transaction the whole time. Right. Like it didn't have to seem like, oh, you're paying me to do this and I'm just going to treat you like you're paying me to do this. Like, no, we're chill. This is how it is. Let's, we can still be cordial about it and mm -hmm. move on and do what you, whatever you want and then go on with our day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was always kind of nice. Like it didn't have to be like this super awkward, like ordeal, I yeah. guess, if that makes sense. No, it, yeah, it does. Well, at least it does me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so we talked about the, the BDSM. We talked about Haunt. We talked about Postmortem. Post we talked about Renfair. Um, yeah, we've pretty much covered every... I think you're the first person I've talked to that's done a Renfair too, which is cool. Nice. Uh, uh, but yeah, is there any, any last thing that's like popped into your mind or anything about, you know... Any fun stories if that you can remember? I mean, I'm sure I have a ton, but they would take <laughs> up a lot more time. Um, but I know I'm going to think of more after this, too. I'm going to be like, damn it, I should have mentioned this. <laughs> that always um, but, but yeah, I don't have any on the top of my head right now. I think I covered up the the big ones, maybe. Okay, yeah. So. Um, cool. I'm trying to see if I have any more questions, but... <laughs> I'm I'm so glad we finally were able to do this. I'm so sorry that like we had to keep rescheduling and everything. It's all good. I know how <laughs> things have been lately. It's cool. Yeah. I know we had we were out of power for like a whole day. Like it because it was so windy here and they didn't want fires, so they they turned off our 
electricity. I know I was worried I wouldn't be able to do this one because we we're I'm actually in a warning zone right now for evacuation. So I'm like, oh crap. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh my god. I mean, we're good. I honestly don't think it's gonna get to my area, so it's fine. Yeah. Um it's like it's moving farther east from me right now. So yeah, I don't think I'm gonna have an issue. Okay. But on Monday it was very concerning. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm so sorry to, I'm, I mean, I'm glad it's going the other way, but thoughts that it'll, luckily it won't go get your direction. I know I'm not, I think I'm good. I, I definitely have friends I've had to evacuate. Yeah, so it's, I've had yeah. some friends migrate too. I, I, it's, it's so crazy. It's usually like, I always don't think that OC would get, get a fire, but. <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, I mean, Irvine, especially the last few years, have been getting a lot of fires lately. So it's like, it's it's almost like not surprising, yeah. but then sometimes how bad it can get does, yeah, yeah it's it's insane. Jeez. So. Um, well, do you have any words of wisdom or advice to young performers? <laughs> like, like you, you like started laughing at me and like, I can't keep a straight face either. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I hate that question. No, I don't. Um, it's that that's just so hard because it's like every situation is going to be so different. Like my experience at Haunt Fair doing burlesque, it's gonna be so different for anyone else trying to get into that. So like I even if I had advice to give, I mean I guess my advice would be um just be yourself, don't overthink things do what you feel is right. Um, as far as like anyone wanting to go into the haunt industry, I think I would warn them. It is very high school there sometimes. I don't know how different it's changed. Again, I only worked there for three years and that was no, just- It's very, it's, it's very high school. <laughs> yeah, like, but I only worked there between 2008 and 2010. So I don't know how much has changed, but I, I know even at that time, it was just a lot of unnecessary drama yeah. And I tried my best to stay out of it. And I think a lot of that won in my favor to some degree. So like, that would be my, like, just stay out of the drama, yeah. do your own thing and just have fun with whatever you're doing. Try to be creative and create your character the way you want to create it as much as you can. And, and that's how you're going to have the most fun. And if you're not having fun, then that Maybe. then it's not for you if, yeah, exactly. yeah i mean that's how i felt the dungeon like all right i'm not having fun i don't like this all right you move on to the next thing it's yeah. it's never a failure if you decide you don't like something exactly like, especially you just, just don't do it. it it's fine yeah you have to try or else you never know so yeah exactly cool. um thank you so much thank you all right yeah i'll, I'll send you a link once it's posted yay all right okay Thanks. be safe you too bye bye Thank you everyone so much for listening. Again, if you like what you hear, um, subscribe, share, all of that good fun stuff um, for that you do with podcasts. And if you are a performer and would like to be featured or if you have a story you want to send for me to read, because um, I'm still kind of figuring out formats, you know, it's just, I've been kind of doing it loosely like a conversation, but I'd also have to love to have a segment of, um, you know, reading people's stories. if if you don't want to do a full interview. So um, if you'd like to do that, you can email me at 
Dana Benedict variety. So that is D-A-N-A-B-E-N-E-D-I-C-T v-a-r-i-e-t-y at gmail.com you can email me all of your fun terrible scary uh life-changing um annoying um whatever you know any any kind of story this is just for us to um reminisce about the good old days of, of how performing was before the pandemic um so yeah thank you so much for listening and i will hopefully create a better schedule and release these on a timely matter. <laughs> Have a great day.